you are supposed to be in position to keep the core together. Zach Wheeler had been part, uh, become a part of the core. It sounds like he didn't necessarily want to go down the turnpike. They came back at them, and obviously they were hoping for maybe $120 million or 100 whatever the difference that the, the, they wanted the Mets to make up, who knows. But it's obviously been voiced in the past by Zach Wheeler that he wanted to stay during moments where it seemed like he may be on his way out. And, I, you know, even though I know that for a lot of fans we hadn't seen him develop into the pitcher, that basically he was the second half of 2018, I keep going back to the fact that these are the type of moments that you want to be able to handle this situation. You wanted to have maybe been able to extend him with the type of money that you maybe believed he was worth, uh, and he would have given you a slight hometown discount because he wasn't going free agency. That's just how those things work. So um, I, 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 you know, I think if you were picking up Strasburg or Cole, we're having a different conversation. Um, but in light of who they did get, and we know what Porcello could be on any given day, but we also know that he's been uneven. And uh, we are going to get into those transactions, so I'll, I'll finish up with Wheeler. Um, I think that that's really what you got to be, be thinking about, is seeing this core kind of continue – their march to finally get that ring, but that's obviously not going to happen now. Um, and it's just it's the kind it's disappointing because these are the type of players that you want to lock up for you know the rest of their careers. Greg Zach Wheeler and I, I waited for you to to you know uh, spread some lemon juice on this one. You know his departure, but you know it, it's somewhat disappointing when you look back that. I call them the five hurlers of the metropolis on my blog. And obviously we're speaking of uh, Harvey, Wheeler, Thor, uh, DeGrom, Mats, and uh, is that all five? Anyway, you know who I'm it's talking all about. Five. But, but the fact of the matter is that they never completed a season together. They just missed. They just missed but they never pitched a full season together. And they had about five years to get it done. So what say you, Mr. Prince? Well, it was, I suppose it was, what, early 2018 when we finally got all five of these guys together. And that didn't last uh, more than a blink of an eye. Um trying to remember. I know Harvey was, was still in the rotation when 18 began and Wheeler was back. And yeah, it was under Callaway. I remember that that was a big deal for, for about a week. Um, you know, they, you know, they did miss each other. Uh, you know, I, I'm always surprised when I look back at Wheeler's time as a Met that he pitched as much as he did because it it feels like 2013 and 2014 were another era altogether. You know, he had come up with a good bit of hype just as the Harvey phenomenon was exploding, and I think it was probably unfairly expected that, okay, he'll, he'll do basically the same. And this was when Matt Harvey was at the top of his game and arguably at the top of the league. 
And, you know, he needed a couple of years, Wheeler, that is, to sort of find himself. Not everybody, you know, is, is at the top of his game when he comes up. And then suddenly, once we had Harvey back from Tommy John, and once this Jacob deGrom fellow who wasn't really that high on the radar had broken through, you know, Wheeler was nowhere to be found because of his own Tommy John surgery. And in the interim, that's when Syndergaard and Mats came up. So, and that, that I think is, is where we sort of look at, you know, the modern Mets era as, you know, that moment in 2015 when things came together for what is essentially too short a time. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's a, a point of reference in everything before it, uh, you know, in this past decade is is sort of a lost period. So the first part of Zach Wheeler's development is just kind of murky in the, the imagination at this point, sort of left back there with the Mises and G's and the, the fumes of Pelfrey, uh, although he and Mike Pelfrey was gone by then, but uh, it just feels like that was another time. So when we finally have the Wheeler, we're more familiar with it. It took a, a while to get that. You know, 2017 saw him come back, but he his season ended prematurely. He was still having health problems, and it wasn't until you know the what feels like the most famous second half any pitcher ever threw the second half of 2018, where suddenly Zach Wheeler was Zach Wheeler, uh, you know, the guy who was drafted sixth in the nation and was the the bounty for Carlos Beltran and the guy the Giants didn't really want to give up. And, you know, we, we finally got what we were waiting for. I'm sure what Zach Wheeler was waiting for. And then he slipped back and kind of got it back by the end of 2019, which is where we left him to become a free agent. And he left us eventually. So, you know, it feels sometimes as if there was, you could glue together, you know, one year out of the two second halves of the last two years but that probably wouldn't be fair because he did throw a lot of innings uh, for a team that wasn't going anywhere in 2013 and 2014. So, you know, putting perspective, is it's, it's kind of hard to, to pin the tail on Zach Wheeler, shall we say, because it, it just felt like he was getting there, uh, that he had finally become, you know, not a promising pitching prospect or a struggling to get back from injury pitcher, but a guy you really wanted out there every five days for you know, the next five years is what I guess the Phillies will have. Um, you know, I think a a team that is serious about contending either signs Zach Wheeler if they have him, as the Mets had him, or they make arrangements to have somebody take those starts over a long-term period where you can feel pretty confident about what you're getting. And and if you want to use this as, as a segue, uh, be my guest. But I, I don't think the Mets had done that. I think, you know, the Mets are in that let's roll the dice and hope that we can come up with somebody who's going to get us through 2020. And, you know, to, to, to Van Wagenen's statements about, well, you know, in so many words, it wasn't worth the money, we didn't think. Um, you know, who is worth the money? The, the money that is thrown at starting pitchers who are available, who have some kind of track record, who have had some kind of success, is 
you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if astronomical is the word, but um, it's the going rate. Well, you know, what Wheeler got is the going rate. We saw what you know Cole and Strasburg got, which is beyond that. He's not those guys, or hasn't been for the most part. So it's disappointing that he's gone. It's disappointing that he's gone to Philadelphia. Uh, you know, I can't blame him for that. Uh, he wants to uh, to wear their uniform and pitch in front of those fans uh, and get that kind of money. That certainly is prerogative. So uh, I, I think the Mets are a lesser team without him. And, you know, the better parts of the last year and a half of Mets baseball has been due in large part to the contributions of Zach Wheeler, uh, who was, you know, a solid number two, almost ace type of pitcher behind DeGrom. So I think that that's a lot to, uh, a lot to replace. And, and Mike, before we go to Mike, before we go to any other uh, player, I just want to uh, segue with the Phillies part and, and how this just kind of stinks to high heaven in another situation of the Mets saying, we know better than you. Uh, hubris, as Greg Prince once so eloquently put it, uh, regarding this, this baseball team and this ownership, in that um, we might have another Daniel Murphy situation on our hands. Not only does he leave the Mets, but he goes uh, to somebody that we were directly battling with in the wild card standings, and they also didn't make the playoffs like us. Coming off an eight, And we won more games than that. Coming off an 86-win season uh, of not making the playoffs, it just seems to be, yet again, even though we've heard news of potential sale, uh, it seems to be, yet again, the, they, they think that they can just roll with what worked in the second half. Um, and, and eventually, yet again, they're, they're going to be feeling out the team to the point that they're not even going to have a proper team together for June. It's going to be awful. And then they're going to kind of start getting their identity together in July and then try to go on a run for August and September. That can't be the formula. That can't constantly be the formula. And that is the pattern that you're seeing with the way they are operating right now, especially coming off of the news that they could potentially be selling. So, you know, like, like Daniel Murphy, even the pitcher Chris Young ended up burning us. You know, like it was crazy that that happened. In the World Series, so it's it just stinks to high heaven. Like if he got if he had gone to Texas, that would be different. Had he gone to the Braves, that that would have been similar, you know. And we all thought that could happen because he's from Atlanta. But now he's an hour and a half away with the manager that we were technically quote unquote supposed to have. So something's not right here, and it's just it, that's one of the things that makes it so much so frustrating. And you mentioned, like, uh, Greg, about the Strasburg and, and Cole money and that he isn't that pitcher yet. He hasn't performed that pitcher yet, so he got a fraction of what they got over the course of a, a certain length of time. So it does make sense. Well, Greg said the magic words, the going rate. Philly gave Zach Wheeler the going rate. Sam, you know, your your rant is on target. Look, last season, what was the Phillies owner saying? I want to spend like a drunken sailor. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the sentiment he put forth. Look what happened when the Yankees acquired Giancarlo Stanton. What did Fred Wilpon say? The Yankees' business model is unsustainable. So what did they turn around? They just signed Gary Cole for nine years and a ridiculous amount of uh, dollars, you know. So 
here we are stuck in this situation without even having to bring Stephen Cohen into the situation or into the conversation just yet. But here we are. Greg says, you know, Philly gave Zach Wheeler the going rate. And here we are. We import and replace uh, Wheeler with Michael Walker and Rick Porcello. Yeah, that stinks to high heaven. That being said, you know, Greg, how would you rate these two acquisitions in the starting rotation? Based on where they've been the past season or so, uh, you know, it's a toss-up. One of those, well, if everything goes right and they have a lot to prove and they're feeling good and, you know, they uh, make adjustments and, uh, you know, Jeremy Hefner and everybody else works their magic, uh, it could be fine. I wish them well. They're they're on the Mets. Why wouldn't I wish them well? Especially Porcello, who uh, grew up a Mets fan, and uh, it's it's hard to not like that about a guy. But uh, you know that this is you know the the dichotomy between the news that oh we're going to be talking about a new ownership group that will not be constrained by finances, and by the way, Zach Wheeler. Uh, they don't want to pay him, and they're bringing in guys they could get on the relative cheap. Uh, I don't know if I, I will use the uh, the phrase of the night stinks to high heaven, but I think it tells us that you know this is not a an immediate transition. Not that they said it would be, and it's not the smoothest of uh, of, of funneling of resources in into the Mets right now, and it, it just feels like they're they're being a little too cute about it. Uh, not really having had a backup plan. Now, again, we could be sitting here next summer and saying, you know what, boy, they they were right to take a chance on those two guys, and they're getting a a lot of bang for their buck, and uh, maybe Zach Wheeler isn't having a great time pitching in Citizens Bank Park. That's a possibility. Or it's a possibility that these two guys who are not, who have been terrific pitchers at their peak, but Hard lately, uh, don't quite get back there. And then you're talking about, you know, to, again, you know, and again, this always goes down a rabbit hole that always lands in the Mets bullpen. But you know, we're probably talking about a team leaning on its bullpen a lot uh, because you're bringing in guys who, you know, it'll be an achievement if they pitch six innings in in a given start, and you know, you're, you're back to. Well, you know, is, is Seth Lugo the anchor of your bullpen, or is he back in the rotation? Is everybody else healthy? I mean, I guess those are questions every team has to ask about the rotation. But um, it, it just feels like they're they're trying to put, uh, you know, too many pieces in place and hoping that, you know, it, it creates a, a beautiful mural as opposed to a jigsaw puzzle where you can kind of see where the pieces were crammed in. Um, no, I, I will say that it's, you know, it's a better bet than going into the season with Walker Lockett or Corey Oswalt or whoever listed as your fifth starter. No, no offense to those guys. You know, these are proven major league arms, and proven is one of those words you use when you don't quite know what else you know upbeat to say about them. Um, so. You know, the, the the ownership aspect of it does not seem to have made a difference yet. Maybe it wasn't supposed to, given the, the time frame that was presented. But, you know, it's it, it, it's not a, a great marker for, you know, everybody looking forward to the day where the Mets are mentioned uh, automatically. Even, even if they're not interested, 
Well, you know, and Anthony Rendon comes on the market. Well, maybe maybe the Mets want to sign Anthony Rendon. Maybe the Mets want to go after Garrett Cole. Um, and we've been out of those conversations for the most part for years and years and years. And, you know, unless you have a better way of putting a team together or at least a, you know, a Tampa Bay Rays way of or Oakland A's way of, you know, gaming the system and being – competitive, making the playoffs, even though you're not going after the, the top flight free agents. Well, that's fine, too. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't think we're, we're demanding to see price tags, but we, we, I think, do want to have a feeling that there's, you know, a sense that contending is paramount and not just talking about contending and not just leaning on the second half of the year before. And listen, I enjoyed the hell out of the second half of 2019. Uh, They had to have basically a lot of things go right, and they did, and a few things that didn't go right, and they overcame them. But, uh, you know, at the end of the season, they were not in the playoffs. And to say, as they did, well, essentially we, we were replacing Wheeler with Stroman all along, so it's not like we, you know lost anything here. It's you know, quite frankly a little insane. Um, you know, you you got where you were going. You got up the ladder in the standings last August because you had Wheeler and Stroman. Uh, you know, it took Stroman a while, uh, but, you know, he became a uh, solid contributor. And when you had those five guys in the rotation, you know, that was the team that was contending. Now you're talking about four of those guys and, you know, at toss-up. Uh, let's take, you know, not, not exactly take a flyer territory because, you know, again, you're talking about two guys who have pitched well, and they did cost, you know, a few bucks. Uh, it's not, not like you're grabbing these guys off the waiver wire. But, you know, again, it, it doesn't feel like a, uh, a, a solid let's-go-to-battle plan uh, that, you know, first place or playoffs or bust. It's like, well, if we get there, fine, but if we get close, then, you know, maybe we can sell that. And, and part of that plan involves, you know, the acquisitions of Chase and Shreve, uh, Brad, the resigning of Brad Brock, uh, the acquisition of Jake Marisnik. Other than that, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to find anything positive to say about this offseason. Once again, Brody's uh, rhetoric doesn't quite match up with the realities. Uh, so, Sam, you know, I'm trying to throw fuel on the fire for you. I really want you to pick up where you left off because this is where we pick up with Steve Cohen. You know, news broke out of this transaction, what, at the beginning of the month. In, the, in hockey, football, basketball, or even baseball, I, I've never heard – I've never come – never – have I heard this, you know, party A is going to buy the team from party B, but it's going to take five years. What is this? Sam. I, I would only say that Rob Manfred's kind of an extension of Bud Selig. Um, and I don't think Bud Selig did a poor job overall. I think that he did a great job growing the game, even if some of it had to do with, with the steroid uh, uh you know, he, he was a major part of letting that get out of control. Um, 
but unfortunately, he's buddy buddy with the Welpons, and I, I don't think Rob Manfred has completely, you know, is completely separate from that. <clears throat> and you know, if you're talking about like the treatment McCourt got versus what the Wilpons are getting, I mean, I understand it's a kind of a different situation. But if you're talking about what's good for for Major League Baseball, I would say having two viable teams in the biggest market in America, or at least the second one, is a better thing to to have for your 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 uh, league. And I don't know, man. It's just like when you see these moves, it's just and and, and Greg may, uh, said the word cute, you know, creative, cute. And this is this is my segue. This is where if this is how you're going to play the game from the free agent free agency perspective, don't do what you did last year, moving money money around. Don't be getting cute and creative with the trades because I keep saying you shouldn't be if, – if, if Cohen indeed is coming, you should not be trading any of these cost-controlled players that have been really valuable so far and that could even be better than they've been so far going forward. You want to be adding. Generally speaking, when this, when this team is starting to come together, you don't always need to make the Hubie Brooks for and, – and plus other players, but you don't need to make – Obviously, Hubie Brooks was the main uh, 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 part of the Gary Carter trade. You don't always need to do this if you have the resources available to add via free agency. So if if this is the holding pattern we're in, just don't make any more Jared Kellenick mistakes. Now, obviously, he hasn't been in the league yet. He hasn't been in the major leagues, as neither has Justin Dunn. But you can't you can't keep risking that none of these players are going to pan out in every single like you can't keep thinking that that these trades aren't going to continue to be a Robinson Snow Edwin Diaz type situation you can't just go off of that and if this is where we are just leave this roster alone and I I'd, I would rather you I would add, it's crazy to say this it's, it's it's so contradictory but I would rather them try to win 2007 style, 2017 style, uh, where they're, you're just you're basically trying to sell that you can win with the same team you had the year before, and things don't go according to plans. Um, I, I would rather them do that than risk more, like make a Starlin Marte trade or make a Nolan Arenado trade, especially if you can add these types of players who are coming into free agency in a couple years of Steve Cohen is on track to buy this team. So that like that that's I, I just I don't want them to get too cute because I just think the det it's too detrimental to the future of this franchise. Uh especially with like some of these players. Like it goes back to why I, I you know, you try to keep people like Zach Wheeler uh, in involved. It's because the core is coming together and you want that camaraderie to continue. Look what happened even if they found out that Laduca was on steroids. Look what happened when Paul DePodista traded the heart of the franchise. They didn't win a World Series that year, and they were on track to very possibly do so. You can't mess with the camaraderie. That's the that, that's a big big element to it. And uh, yeah, that's 
Back back to you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to a Mexican podcast, and our featured guest this evening is Greg Prince of Faith and Fear and Flushing. Mr. Prince, you know, for a second there, it seemed like the most wonderful time of the year. The Mets were being sold. Unbelievable. Amazing, even. Mr. Steve Cohen, who is no stranger to the Mets front office, after all, he already owned a very small minority share in the Mets. You know, this transaction gets reported at the beginning of the month, and, you know, this is your first opportunity on the Mexican podcast, at least, to opine about this potential purchase and, nego- and, and negotiation. So uh, the, the stage is all yours, and, and you know, what, what make you of this? Well, the, the timing of it, like you said, is kind of bizarre. Uh, if, if there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, uh, let us well, let us uh, be allowed to revel in it and uh, in, in have it invested on our behalf, and you know, creating a franchise that is regularly competitive that we don't have to unless everything goes wrong in one of those uh, however it's pronounced Anna's Horribilis <laughs> if I'm saying that correctly a type of 2017 situations or uh, 2009 um, situation you know you, you don't want to get stuck in the mud for year year after year and try to figure out how to get out of it I'd, I'd like for the Met, the Mets to be you mentioned uh, Sam mentioned uh, Frank McCord earlier I could be where, where the Dodgers are now, uh, not, not being eliminated from the postseason every year necessarily, but being in the postseason and going into the season saying, hey, you know, we have an excellent chance of winning the division and winning the World Series or at least getting there instead of the whole thing being a crapshoot year after year, you know, if everything breaks right. And I, I, I thought we were over that hurdle you know, 2015, 2016, you know, barely got back in the playoffs in 2016. Not that I'm at all looking down at that sort of accomplishment because it's so rare. But, you know, there we were again (laughs) the next year. Everything had fallen apart, and it took essentially two and a half years of scuffling to put a representative team back on the diamond. And it almost seemed, you know, a happy accident that they were that good last year when they got good. So, you know, that is what, I don't know what, you know, what Christmas means to me, but uh, what Steve Cohen means to me potentially is that, you know, we've got a solid base of operations and, you know, that that this guy wants to be the owner of the Mets, that he has the resources to be the owner of the Mets, that he's not, from everything we understand, not just kind of, you know, hanging, hanging on there and moving resources around so he can, you know, maintain his relationship with the commissioner and make the payments he has to make, like the Wilpons have had to do. Uh, I'm sure the Wilpons loved being, you know, in charge. Uh, so they still love it apparently because it's still on, on the docket for the next five years, depending on how these things go. But, you know, they weren't able to do it at a a level commensurate with what New York National League Baseball implies uh you know you you don't have to outspend everybody but you're not there to be outspent either and to just kind of not not to 
go round and round with this, but not not to throw up your hands at the beginning of the off season and say, well, you know, how can we scrounge around and uh, you know make short term deals with middling players and hope that they will repeat their best performances from a couple of years ago. So I am hoping that when, you know, Steve Cohn's time comes that a guy who, you know, grew up as a Mets fan, he is just old enough to remember everything in Mets history and nothing before it, if if I'm reading his bio correctly. So we're we're not competing with the ghost of the Brooklyn Dodgers and, and God knows and then certainly you guys know I, I love I love my New York baseball history. I'm, uh, I'm all for the fact that, you know, we carry the orange from the Giants and the blue from the Dodgers and all of that. But this is you, – you never got the sense that this is where the heart of the current ownership group lay in terms of what team he cared about. <laughs> and I like the idea that, uh, hey, the owner of the Mets is a Mets fan. And it sounds silly to say that, but you know, there's some skin in the game there. Not not just a lot of cash, but somebody for who who is going who probably again. I, I imagine Steve Cohen has has other things on his mind that that uh, the likes of me can't comprehend. Uh, who, who doesn't have enough zeros to my name? <laughs> but um, I imagine Steve Cohen now and then uh, lies awake in bed making batting orders and. <laughs> thinking about the bullpen and remembering that, that game that he was asked uh, somewhere back in time, maybe even last night's game and saying, God, I, I wish we had won that. Or wasn't it great when the ball went through Buckner's legs or whatever. So, um, you know, it, it, it all, it, 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 it forms the image of a shining city on the hill. And I hope we can get there someday. And I, and I understand that it, it doesn't guarantee anything that there are teams that, spend plenty of money that don't win the World Series? Is a, a team I know of nearby that spent plenty of money and then did not go, go to a World Series in the last 10 years? So, you know, that. but, you know, those teams are also competitive every year. And I hope that, you know, money is just the beginning and stability is just the beginning and that the right people are hired and who knows, maybe Brody Van Wagen is the right person to oversee it. Maybe he's not. Uh, I don't think we have any proof either way. We could you know, certainly take indications from what's been done the last uh, you know, you know, two off-seasons and whatever he did in the middle of last year. But um, I hope this is leading somewhere. And we, we, we can't be promised or guaranteed or, or pretend that we'll be you know, a, a world championship and then – you know, act disappointed when it doesn't happen. But I think we can ask to be in position most years to say, you know what, it's it's February, spring training is starting. My God, I'm looking forward to the season. Not not just because I look forward to the season every year, but we have an honest to God chance of you know winning the East and going to the World Series. And yeah, that's what keeps you going. And. Uh, that I hope is is what Steve Cohn is the key to, and uh, you know I don't want to wait five years to to find out. It's, and Mike, um, yeah. Uh, before we continue on Steve, uh, on Steve, Mr. Steve, I just wanted to bring up like a little news that came out today that's very minor, but but you know since we mentioned Brody Von Wagenen, and Greg said maybe he is the right guy for the job, it is interesting to think about how nuanced his 
you know, role might be, whether it be now or going forward, because this really might all still be coming back to son of pawn, as you like to say, Mike. And, and that's really, really when it comes down to it, the biggest crux that the Mets have had is the way Jeff Wilpon specifically operates as COO, Chief Operating Officer, uh, this franchise. Um, but Brody, it seems like, you know, Brody has certainly wanted to make a splash. Brody obviously used to be a player agent. And, it, you know, you'd probably think that Brody would agree that all these players need to get paid when, you know, when it comes down to his fundamentals. And... Um, They've also been getting more data-driven under them. Uh, Mike, you've talked about some of the hires they made silently last offseason, uh, stuff we, you might not really be able to, to notice until, uh, you know, Brody's system gets really kind of ingrained in the foundation of this ball club. But uh, from our friend Tim Healy of Newsday, Rick Meinhold was a pitcher, coach, scout, and analyst, and now he is the Mets' very – quote, very data-driven MILB pitching coordinator. Jared Banner, quote, Rick, uh, Ricky is ahead of the curve in terms of technology and data and whatever is coming up around the next corner. Uh, that's Tim Healy's tweet. So, you know, it, 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 Brody is definitely a wild card here as to, you know, what his role, if any, will be going forward once Steve Cohen gets on board here, if he does get on board here. Um, and the and what kind of personnel changes he makes from an operating perspective? Because obviously, the second that he's in charge, Jeff Wilpon will not be. So, um, yeah, take it from there, man. Well, before the before the show, you had mentioned David Einhorn's name. If you go back to uh, 2011, 2012, you know he was in the picture to uh, take over upwards of 49 percent of the team, or he was in position to bargain for that and and become majority, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's neither here nor there. I just wanted to say good job by you. But since the Steve Cohen news broke out, the Mets have recouped $10 million from Ioannis Cespedes. They do not seem to be in any rush to spend that money, alluding to what you just said, Sam. So that being said, Greg, I'm going to let you uh, respond to uh, Sam's comments. Well, the, the end of the Jeff Wilpon era is also a shining city on the hill, uh, potentially, as, you know, again, based on what everything that we have consumed as fans and readers, uh, and this is instigated, if the reporting is correct, by the fact that, you know, Saul Katz's kids <laughs> want to deal uh, with a uh, – a Mets hierarchy that had Jeff Wilpon in charge uh, fully, uh, where I guess he's you know, certainly had a hand on, on the tiller, uh, but you know Fred is still there. So there, there goes Jeff, I suppose, or you know at least that's the idea here. Uh, you know, you, you, you mentioned Joanna Cespedes. Um, I mean, I, I guess they're still hammering this out, or maybe they they, they hammered it out, and we're just learning about it now. Uh, I mean, I'm not. You know, it's funny though. The, they, they've signed two. Well, de- depending on on, uh, on how you characterize uh, the deals, you know, they, they've certainly signed guys, not Wheeler, but that they've had and, and wanted to keep 
and two of them, Cespedes and Wright, you know, the deals imploded, unfortunately. Uh, DeGrom, Knockwood, you know, and I give Van Wagenen credit for getting that done, and presumably he had a great deal to do with it because he was, you know, Jake was his client. But um, this whole thing with, with Cespedes is, is so weird. It's almost as weird <laughs> as the uh, the five-year waiting period. I mean, uh you know, the uh, gun control advocates should have the Mets lobbying for waiting <laughs> periods like this. But, uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather have Cespedes, you know, on the field earning his ridiculously high contract than, you know, take any pleasure in the fact that the Mets are, you know, clawing back some of his salary because apparently, you know, if it's ever been clear what it is that Ioannis did on his ranch, uh, in the course of what apparently wasn't his rehabilitation, that he would have to forfeit some of this salary. Uh, you know, I, I should, and I, I try to do it every winter, uh, but, you know, so suddenly it's late December, so it's, it's hard to remember that there's still plenty of time uh, before spring training, let alone opening day. Uh, there's, there's still time where maybe they'll say, hey, we have this essential windfall, and we can do something. We can really upgrade the bullpen. We can, you know, do something about our catching situation. Well, we, you know, we can get a, a real center fielder who can hit and throw. We we can, you know, get creative in a good way. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, where, where the Cespedes angle is going to, to play. I mean, I, again, when, when you hear things like you heard this week when Eduardo Perez said, oh, yeah, I spoke to him and he's really – you know, he's he's ready to go and hit 40 home runs and so on and so forth. You want to believe it, but you know, every every winter somebody is is on the verge of being in the best shape of his life and that sort of thing. So I, I don't I can't believe that the Mets are you know penciling Cespedes into the cleanup slot. It would be great if if that was a possibility, but um, I'm not terribly sanguine about that. Um, as as far again as uh, the, the way the Mets have been doing business, I think we're all familiar with it, and you know I, I think we're we're just kind of going to be in at least in terms of our perception of in a holding pattern until we know more about you know who is you know running the show, who is to use MLB's absolutely creepy term, who is the control person. Uh, right now, it's still Fred Wilpon, but if uh, if Steve Cohn is indeed signing checks uh, to the tune of uh, more than 50% of the operation, I imagine that changes things. But again, it hasn't changed things yet. So it's, you know, we, the problem with figuring out net off seasons year after year since Madoff is, yeah, and 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 I, I feel bad, you know, put it having put it on Sandy Alderson to a certain degree. Maybe I feel a little bad about putting it on Bernie Van Wagenen. It's like you, you don't know; they probably don't know what their budgets are from year to year, from month to month. And you no, know, not 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 that that's you know uncommon that the public wouldn't know, but internally, they based on you know best intelligence, it's always been you know kind of up in the air, and it's hard to to make. The deals maybe that a GM wants to make uh, without having that information. And again, we, we will continue to to return to when we think of Steve Cohn as the guy who for whom that will not be an issue. He'll say, "Hey, 
I'm ready to spend. Here's what it is. Hopefully, you know, it won't be spent, you know, insanely stupidly. And but when when inevitably there is an insanely stupid uh, uh, thing that doesn't work out, it does it doesn't uh, send you hobbling back to the drawing board. That once in a while you're just able to say, oh well, that didn't work out. What's next? Um, that that would be a nice place to be. And it's you know as opposed to oh do we have you know. Do we have insurance? Can we keep David Wright on 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 the uh, out of action long enough so that we can continue to collect? And uh, can we, uh, you know, can we file a grievance against Yohannes uh, Cespedes uh, and and get a few more bucks there? It's just you know, again, I I think you you guys would agree that this is not the reason we became baseball fans. <laughs> this was this was it was never part of the allure. It's just kind of you know what. It is the literal cost of doing business for baseball, and for us, it's you know the the figurative cost of you know knowing you know why we don't have certain players. And I'll I'll just wrap wrap up this uh, with with the idea that in in a and this is nothing against player movement. Uh, I salute the work of Marvin Miller and uh, all he did, and glad it's being recognized, albeit after. He's gone uh, by the Hall of Fame. But wouldn't it be great if you could just go from one year to the next with the same? Again, maybe I'm just feeding into the, the Mets chosen narrative here. Wouldn't it be great if, like, all these guys could just, especially the core of the team, could just stay together and get better? And I would include Zach Wheeler <laughs> if he were still here in, in that equation. You know, I mean, it's, it's great to get new guys, and, and you love them when they show up, or at least you try to love them, and you love them when they succeed. And you know some of them become your your favorite players, but uh, sometimes it would just God. You know, I, I just really liked the core of that team that came together in August and September. And uh, wouldn't it be nice if they could just everybody could just figure out where to play them and uh, let let them flourish? But we we also know that it doesn't really work that way, which is why we need a uh, control person who uh, you know has some some control of the situation it isn't just uh, you know guessing and leaving the rest of us guessing. So, um, you know, Mazel Tov, Steve Cohn. Uh, we will see you when we see you, I guess. Sam, you brought up the pitching coordinator. We have a new pitching coach, Jer- Jeremy Hefner. Uh, how, do, how do you think uh, those two uh, fit into the equation together? I think for a hot second, him and Dylan G were the best one-two punch in baseball in 2013. <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be um, it's going to be strange because I mean Beltron he he's starting to you know it doesn't look like he's working the medicine ball like he did uh, when he was a, a ball player, but he still looks relatively young. But then you have Jeremy Hefner, who's really only not pitching because of a couple Tommy John surgeries and. He'll still look like he can go out there and throw uh, 90 to 100 pitches. So um, I'm very intrigued. Like, if, if we, you know, I think what, what Brody seems to be doing and, you know, within the Wilfons sense of things. Um, and hopefully he does. Like, I last year they were coming off of – they were, they were, they were going to be keeping the same coach, the same manager, and they were coming off of um, – you know, just an absolutely miserable June, uh, but they had some pr- a promising uh, end to it, uh, and they shuffled around some money. You wanted to grab some headlines, 
they ba- basically last season, last off season was kind of like maybe it'll work, but you know it does seem like it, it's you're you're throwing diamonds into a, a pile of shit, possibly. Um, and it all came together a little bit better in the second half of the season, obviously. But I think you can kind of see why Brody, within the again within the way the Wilpons operate, is thinking that outside of whether or not you think he should have re-signed Zach Wheeler, he's kind of taking it a little bit easier and seeing what some of these other personnel moves can do because he knows that the money might be coming in and the Wilpons want to make sure that deal is done before they spend more of their, you know, money they, they, the only money they have left from after Madoff. So it kind of makes sense what's going on here. And again, I hope, Brody recognizes that in in that it would be a bad idea to have the type of Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz, potentially future devastating moves that that were the the cornerstone of last off season when Brody was trying to make a name for himself. Greg, if Messi Claus can come could come to Flushing, what would you ask of him? Hello, Greg. Um, yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm here. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no, that's a uh, that's a good question, Metsy Kloss. Uh, you know, if, if we're just asking Metsy Kloss for <laughs> for 2020 and uh, what he's uh, going to do for us, um, you know, we always, you know, your, your your mother would get you socks and you'd be like, oh, not socks again. <laughs> well, you know what? They're always getting us relief pitchers, you know, but we need relief pitchers. <laughs> Even though we have, it feels like a drawer full of relief pitchers, um, we need more. I mean, we, we kind of know, you know, who's, at least on, in theory, who's going to play third base and left field and who's going to bounce around a little bit. And we know that Cano is going to get every opportunity to keep playing second base. And we, we we feel pretty good about a few positions. And, you know, we have our catcher in theory because he signed for another year. Um, you know, they're not – I, I don't know that there's a game changer that I can, you know, responsibly ask Metsy Kloss for at this late date. But, uh, you know, fill the, fill the stockings with useful arms and, you know, stop this – Godforsaken Syracuse, formerly Las Vegas shuttle, and and expecting it to yield, you know, great gifts of wisdom and joy, as opposed to just keep bringing out Paul Seawald and Tyler Bashler, and those are the the best of the lot. So, um, I don't know, we'll take a few of those. Sam, anything from Mexi Claus that would make your off season a little bit more magical? You know, it's tough because, like, everybody thought that the Dylan Batances idea was a no-brainer. Um, but then again, you know, he struggled at, at certain times. And what if, you know, he's the next Jur- Juris Familia, even though that's, I think, a, a special circumstance when it comes to the Mets and, and the way karma works, it seems, with this ball club. Um, I think relief pitching. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, 
I, that's why I kept saying with, with talking about the way Brody has, has gone through this, uh, this off season within the Wilpons mantra. But the, the thing about it is that they probably make the playoffs with a better relief core. And that should have been, in all God's honesty, the first thing that they did in the offseason. Much the same way, like, if, when, when you actually have conviction as a franchise, the way the Braves seem to, the way the Phillies seem to, and the way the Nats seem to, even, you know, retaining their core, they haven't made that many moves, but they got Strasburg back. They lost Rendon, but they got Strasburg back. They kept the heart of their team. Why did the Nationals win? Yes, they have great offense, but they don't win without that pitching. And it's the same reason why we wanted the Mets to just get in. Because you know that if you if you get in, the pitching could come together, and that's what happened with the Nationals. And so if you are a franchise with conviction, the first thing you do after missing the playoffs with 86 games when the relief core was most likely the main cause for why you didn't make the playoffs, you go immediately after relief pitching. And this team has not. They let Zach Wheeler walk and then made two reactionary moves to that. What else is there? Not much. One last question for you guys uh, before we get into our final word, and it's a hypothetical. Suppose the Mets make a trade prior to spring training or even during spring training. What player presently on the Mets will not be here? What player will that involve? Another way of asking the question is, what Met player stands the best chance of getting traded? Greg. Well, the name that has come up continually is Dom Smith uh, because his natural position has been, you know, I think reserved for the foreseeable future by Pete Alonso. And it's hard to argue that he's a, even a platoon left fielder defensively, you know, serviceable, but, yeah, you know, I think he's a great bat off the bench and filling in, and and I I love having him on the team. But I'm just thinking of, of who seems attractive to another team and not you know essential. Although I think it's Sam's earlier point of chemistry and camaraderie. You know, he's obviously a pretty good part of of that mix. Um, you know, the other name we've heard is J.D. Davis. I think you'd be kind of shooting yourself in the proverbial foot if you take one of one of your better one of your better trades, the trade that you know the the anti Jared Kelenic Kelenic uh, trade, uh, where the Mets you know got a good young player that their trading partner just kind of left out by the curb and turned out to be something. Uh, I'd hate to see him go. I'd hate to see Smith go. Like I said, I, I like these guys, but um, you know, I, I if, if creativity is really a thing, this front office, if you could somehow—and I don't have a name for you—you know, 
turn the catching position from a question mark to a strength and move Ramos. And again, I appreciate Ramos's offense. His 26 game hitting streak. It was not to be sneezed at. And he, you know, is a very, very likable fellow uh, who nobody seems to enjoy pitching to and who, you know, is, is not a positive difference maker behind the plate. And that's, you know, a big part of the job. Uh, and they have, you know, not much depth behind him. Um, you know, if if you could figure out a way to move Ramos and have a replacement that would make it make it up on defense what you might be losing on offense and make the pitching better, uh, I'd love to go there. Quite frankly, so I I don't know who's get who's getting moved. I'm sure somebody will because they seem to to have, you know, surpluses at certain positions. And I guess I should throw in the name Jed Lowry because Jed Lowry, you know, you know, we played an entire season without Jed Lowry, and it's hard to say that we were worse off for it. No offense to Jed Lowry. And, you know, there was some, some speculation that Oakland wanted to get him back. Obviously, the Mets would have to kick in. Um, I don't know what role he has. I mean, we're, we're talking about a... A, a veteran who is now a year older coming off a year where he had seven major league plate appearances, and I don't believe he was in the field at all. So, you know, you, we talk about rolling the dice on guys like Porcello and Walker. We are really rolling the dice if you think Jed Lowry is going to be a contributor. Um, now I don't know what you get for Jed Lowry exactly, uh, unless it's one of those uh, trades where, well, you take our, our extraneous piece and we'll take your extraneous piece that we have some use for. But I would not be surprised if uh, he does not have a second year in Port St. Lucie. Sam, there's some scuttlebutt. People are actually interested in uh, Yoannis Espedes. But uh, who do you think might not be on the Mets? Well, I'm looking at the 40 men right now. Um, interesting. Like I don't even know who Franklin Colome is that they've protected. Jordan Humphreys, Stephen Gonzalez. <laughs> Um, so you're looking, you're looking here and the only things that would make sense is if they were getting cute, JD Davis, shooting him, shooting yourself in the foot. I would totally agree with that. Again, camaraderie, um, Jed Lowry does make a ton of sense in terms of them trying to figure out how to move that contract. Um, considering how many, you know, infielders they have, um, Right now, they have a five-man outfield of Joanna Cespedes, Michael Conforto, Jake Marisnik, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nimmo. If Cespedes indeed is motivated to get back, and all, all indication – I mean, everybody keeps alluding to this idea that Port St. Lucie was too much of, like, this paradise to motivate certain players to, to uh, get their rehab done. Um, I, I don't know whether this is specifically, like – whether it's the player or I, or the environments or, or, or something like that. But the way it's, it, it's framed is that, you know, and I don't have the article in front of me that I'm referencing in terms of the way Jeff Wilpon specifically um, operated this entire rehabilitation thing, but it seems as if it was part, vind- it was part vindictiveness that this star player that he was paying a lot of money couldn't was too weak to not get injured 
And so he would banish them to Port St. Lucie where there wouldn't be any real motivation to, to get back. And then, like, think about, like, with the Tommy John surgery and how they wanted him to be in Port St. Lucie with Matt Harvey. And he, you know, more or less just wanted to do his dark night thing in the city, you know, with the excuse that he wanted to be with his with his, his teammates. And that's probably, you know, I think at that point, 2014, that, you know, part of it was he was partying with his teammates too. But, you know, it's, I, I think, and, and going with who's not going to be here and whether Cespedes would get moved before there, I think that there's no team that's going to take a flyer on Cespedes unless they see him play and depending on where the Mets are at some point in the season. I don't think there's anybody that's going to take a flyer on this guy before the season. So even if they were just sending us a bag of balls and even, you know, if, if the Mets have any sense in them, they'd want to build some value back up before you just ask for, you know, before they just send them their weakest, their, their weakest, uh, um, uh, you know, minor league players. So, um, it's Cespedes is a very interesting potential wild card with this season in a walk year, just lost a lot of money, money he can make back by being really good. It's going to be it, 2020, you know, we'll always say it's frustrated and as many rants as I go on, this is not boring. The Mets are never boring, whether it's a negative thing or a positive thing. So, Cespedes is certainly a very interesting storyline to this 2020 Mets season. Ah, and that said, Mr. Prince, on behalf of Sam and, 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 and our partner, Rich, thank you for once again joining us on a Mets team podcast. Uh, by all means, please give us a shameless plug, as we like to say here. And, uh, again, thank you for appearing again on a Metsian podcast. Take it away, Mr. Prince. Oh, my pleasure to uh, to be here. Uh, I will plug good old faith and fear and flushing.com, uh, where we have been counting down the top 100 Mets of the 2010s, and we are at number one. We've been doing uh, 10 a day for the most part. I did nine yesterday, uh, saving number one. Uh, I think if you were to go and, and read uh, the names that were in the top 10 from 10 to 2, you'd pretty much figure out who number one is. But I wanted to save a, a special write-up for that particular net, uh, our, our uh, top net of the decade. And I don't think you need, I don't think you need a guidebook uh, to figure out who that is. Um, and otherwise, uh, you know, have some other uh, fun end-of-year content <laughs> coming up in the days ahead. Uh, we'll be revealing uh, sometime this week the the all-important baseball equinox, uh, that moment between the last, uh, I won't say the last pitch, but the moment that Dom Smith crossed home plate uh, in the last game of last year and when Jacob deGrom is scheduled, and I assume it will be Jacob deGrom, uh, scheduled to, to throw the first pitch of the 2020 season. Uh, we always refer to that as the baseball equinox when we're right between last season and this season. Everything after that is indeed next season. So we do that in late December. We give out our Oscars cap awards, the year in Mets pop culture, uh, Mets sightings, uh, either uh, things where movies, TV shows, uh, art where uh, Mets stuff has shown up either in 2019 or we just happen to notice it uh, from, from years ago. 
and uh, you know, a few other things uh, before the year is out. Uh, you know, this much like uh, the signposts of the season and spring training and all of that is, is part of what makes you know being a Mets fan fun, makes being a Mets blogger fun. So uh, I hope uh, people listening, uh, if they're not already uh, coming by to read us, uh, will stop by. And um, other than that, uh, the only thing I, w- I will plug is a happy holiday season for everybody. Sam, your final word. Conviction, commitment, dedication. These are things that we all sometimes struggle to have as we tackle life. But we, the majority of us, I would say, don't own a Major League Baseball team. One of the things you continuously hear about the Wilpons is that they wanted to win. It's not like they didn't actually care. They unfortunately, it seems, and again, I always go back to this word, too much hubris. Um, They seem to be very dedicated to their ways as opposed to dedicated to the best way to get a ball team to the promised land. And whoever, however, this franchise is tackled going forward. It needs to be with some conviction because you can see just like you did in 2019 and 2016 and 2015 and plenty of other years where you see what this ball team does to this city. When Todd Frazier hit that home run to tie that game, when it seemed like all right, the fantasy was over. The fantasy that we were just living is not going to continue. That ballpark erupted, and they were still there in the ninth inning. Many of those those people were still there. You see what this ball team can do to this town, how much passion we have for this ball team. Have the same passion and learn from your mistakes. Somebody, somewhere out there, do that with this franchise. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and everything in between. Well said. Uh, I want to bid our troops a happy holiday. We have sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers in harm's way. You know, I'd like to say peace on earth and goodwill towards all, only if. So I wish them well. I wish them safety. I wish them peace and calm. Uh, Let's get them home one day. Uh, Otherwise, I bid you all a great holiday. And to all, and Metsian folk alike, a good night. Good night, gentlemen. Good night, all. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And happy Hanukkah to all. Amen. Let's go, Mets. Let's go, Mets.